Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome back to this week's show. I am excited to be here with you. It's always such a joy for me to get this hour on the air with you live. And yes, we are doing some amazing things offline as well, and I will be keeping you posted on those as they come. The whole purpose of this show for me is to expose you to different perspectives, to show you that asking the right questions is not just about the questions themselves, but also about the people you ask them of. Because if you ask the right question to the wrong person, the answers you get will not always take you to where you wanna go. And today I have one of those exceptional guests on who at a chance meeting one day at a conference really shifted my life around and had me thinking very differently about the way I was reacting to something. Dr. Joan Rosenberg is an acclaimed global speaker, trainer, consultant, and master clinician. But beyond that, she is a cutting edge psychologist, innovative thinker, trainer, speaker. She's one of those people that you want in your corner when you're going through any kind of stress, any kind of trauma, or you just want to take your life to the next level. She speaks regularly on core emotional strength, resilience, um, neuroscience, psychotherapy. She is the person that I am going and that I am beginning to turn to to help myself change the way I am thinking. She also hosts the Mindstream podcast, an influential and thought-provoking iTunes podcast. She's the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Ease Your Anxiety, How to Gain Confidence, Emotional Strength, and Inner Peace. And one of the things that she speaks about is something called emotional mastery. Now, Joan, emotional mastery, it's not about becoming Mr. Spock from Star Trek, is it? Uh, No, hardly. It's the opposite of becoming Mr. Spock from Star Trek. It's actually being able to experience and express your feelings with ease. So it's it's uh, having them deeply incorporated in your in yourself and, and being able to use kind of the energetic flow of those feelings moving through you and and being able to express that. Which is not something easy for a lot of people to be able to express their emotions or connect to them and understand what the exact emotion is that's coming up. Is that correct? Well, a lot of people find them pretty uncomfortable to experience, especially unpleasant feelings. And that's usually the, the, those are the kinds of feelings that usually trip people up. So yes, when, when we're put in the position of having to experience something like sadness or disappointment or anger or feeling embarrassed or those kinds of feelings, uh, many, many people try to avoid those and try to shut down on those feelings and then, uh, yes, move away from them in all sorts of ways. Now, when you and I first really got to know each other, and we had met a number of times prior to this one trigger event, um, one of the things you you talked to me about was sort of connecting into those emotions and maybe what I was feeling at the moment was not the real emotion, that it was an older series of emotions that I had suppressed for a long time, and now they were just bubbling up at the drop of a hat. Yes, you may have to cue me a little bit more in terms of of the the specifics of the event, uh, but it's 
uh, it's possible that you may have said that you were feeling anxious or something like that, and or, or maybe even panicky. And what I was asking was, uh, I, was what was underneath that? Because I think that when people describe feeling anxious or panicky, that's often pretty general, and and I think it's also often a disguise for other feelings underneath it. Again, could be feelings of uh, such as sadness or anger. So what we're feeling sometimes in the moment is not the real feeling. It's just the way we're able to access it at the time. But if we can connect into the the deeper emotion you're saying, then we can clear it and it doesn't have as much control over us. Uh, well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really have control over us unless we allow it to have control over us. So, so yes. I again, many times people use uh, words like "I'm hurt" or "I'm anxious" or "I feel panicky." But again, if I come back to what I said a moment ago, I really hear those as being very general descriptors, and it doesn't really tell me what somebody's feeling. Uh, I've, I've many times I, I, I teach and train, and many times I'll go around a room and I'll, I'll even use a word like hurt and and ask ten people to answer what is meant by hurt, and I have ten different answers. So, so for me, with any one individual, it would be if somebody said I'm hurt or I'm anxious, I would want to say it's like, well, let, let, let me say, let me take that word away from you, in essence. And and if you if I took that word away, what would you really be feeling? And usually people will come up with more specific, more specific experiences, like being disappointed or being angry. So it's it yes, I want people to move away from the general experience and ask themselves what more specifically are they feeling. Once they are in touch with that, and they allow themselves to actually experience then that feeling, which usually feels uncomfortable to them, then it does clear. And and often insights will follow. <clears throat> what comes up for me when you were talking about that is a number of years after my brother died, I, I literally suppressed all of the sadness and all of the grief about mm, my brother uh-huh. dying. And when you and I connected that time in California... It was because I was out of town um, helping out at a conference that you were at as well. And Mm -hmm. my now ex-husband was calling me to tell me about all these issues and problems with my mom who has some dementia and things like that. And I'm I'm out there and I'm going, there's nothing I can do. I am, you know, a, a five and a half hour flight away. Can't you handle this? And it just seemed like all this passive aggressive behavior coming from him. And I was angry but I was crying. I I was like over the top tears, unable to control my emotions of any kind. And I felt like I was being controlled by them. And I'm, I'm like, this is over the top reaction to this conversation. Why is this so strong an emotion in me? And what you began to make me realize was, that crying and some of that other stuff, maybe it's not just related to this incident. Maybe it's deeper than that. 
Uh, right. Well, let you, so that, that's actually helpful, a helpful reminder in terms of the conversation we had, uh, because that provides, again, some uh, lots of other ways for people to understand how to make sense of what's going on. Lots of times when we have a reaction to something and it seems out of proportion to the event... So, so you know, here you are. He's telling you about these things that are going on. You don't, don't like what you're hearing. Uh, you can't really have any impact on it. Uh, and, and you're having this stronger reaction coming up that doesn't seem fully related to what he was just telling you. Oftentimes that's a signal that, that unresolved experiences or unresolved feelings are emerging from the past. So it's it's almost it's almost a cue when something is out of proportion when feelings are out of proportion you're like being flooded by feelings and they're out of proportion to what's taking place in the moment the event that's going on event or situation then you can almost use that as a radar signal and go oh something else is coming up it's not related to right now I wonder what it is, and to be curious about it, because if you stay with, the, in this case, the tearfulness or the sadness, then usually the memories will start to follow that are linked to whatever the tears are, and, and that can then help you start to make sense of whatever that experience was from before. So, so sometimes what ends up happening is that uh, a current life event creates an open door to things that haven't the feelings and experiences that haven't been made sense of before. <clears throat> and, and I, what I liken it to is, is especially if all that, all those feelings, thoughts and feelings have been suppressed and pushed back and kind of hidden or tucked away or avoided, or I don't want to deal with this. Then when there's, it's like seeing an open door, and and it's like I, what I like to say is it's like all the thoughts and feelings go. Look, there's an open door. Rush, <laughs> and everything every everything goes flooding out, and and then the intensity seems way greater, and it you seem flooded by it, but it's it's actually older unresolved thoughts and feelings that are surfacing. That flood seems like something mm-hmm. that would be so overwhelming. For somebody going through it that doesn't have a you nearby to talk to, to process through that. And when we come back from the commercial break, I'd like to talk with you some more about what what's going on during that flood and how you can begin to take back and get some mastery over sure. that. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Joan Merzenberg talking about emotional mastery. And no, it's not about becoming Mr. Spock. Joan, during the commercial break, we were talking about this whole concept of control and getting control over the flood of emotions when they come in. And you said something really fascinating to me. You said um, you can control how and what we think, but not how you feel. You can manage that. Can you share that with the audience and explain exactly what you mean? And I think it's the core of emotional mastery as you work with it. Yeah, absolutely. The... That's a great question. The since you're the question person, <laughs> <laughs> the what I like to think about is that we're in charge of how and what we think. A, a lot of times, people will kind of go through life 
and actually not be engaged in a lot of thinking. They'll be mostly reacting to life situations. When we do our deepest thinking, we are intentionally spending time on reflecting about what's taking place and and kind of establishing what we want in the future. And then literally strategically thinking about how to get there and then putting the, the actions behind that. So that's that's kind of real thinking, re- reflecting and kind of strategically planning for the future. The so we we can we have a lot of um, influence on what we think about a lot of choice, a lot of decision-making around that, and we also choose um, how we do it. So what I mean by that is that that uh, if, I, if I have an attitude, which is, again, a, a belief and a thought of being, of being pessimistic and just looking for, uh, that I'm always looking for when the other shoe's going to drop and something bad's going to happen, then that's not only what I'm thinking, there's also a pattern to it, and that's the pattern for me is how, how I'm thinking it then. So, so if I'm always ignoring looking for positive, then, my, then that's the how, that there's a pattern to, to my way of thinking. Is this making sense? I'm, I'm a little confused by it, so okay. let, let's All take right. a okay. step back. So. So, so I can, so, um, let's say I'm supposed to go to a party and I, but my attitude is in, and my thought about it is, ah, it's not going to turn out that well. All right. I get that concept. (laughs) Okay. So, so that's, that's the, what I'm thinking about. Ah, the party's not going to turn out well, probably won't know anybody. I'm going to be really uncomfortable. Uh, nobody's going to come up to me. I know the food's probably going to be pretty crummy. Those are all what I'm thinking. Okay, Except got it. If I if I do that all the time, then it becomes a pattern of thinking, and I never and I never pay attention to uh, a positive outcome. Like I could be delighted by who shows up. I could have a better time than I ever expected. I met somebody you know, positive things. So you're sort of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy over time? Oh, right. Then it becomes a pattern, and the pattern then is how I think it. Okay. So the what is specific, the how is the pattern. All right. Okay. I'm with you so, so we're far. In, we're in charge of those, so we're in charge of thinking. When we experience, when we experience feeling, feeling it's more it's more kind of reactive if you will and we tend to feel what we feel emotionally as a bodily sensation first and when we're talking feeling we're talking about emotions like sad we're talking about emotions that, sad, like hurt, sad angry right that will not hurt not hurt too okay general. right too general uh, sad embarrassed Frustrated, disappointed, those kinds of feelings. Or they could be pleasurable ones, too. It's usually the unpleasant ones that are harder for people. And notice 
I'm not saying bad feelings or negative feelings because I don't think we have bad feelings or negative feelings. I think we have unpleasant or uncomfortable or unsettling feelings, but they're not bad or negative. Okay. Do all feelings okay. serve a purpose? I think they do. Uh, I think feelings are available for protection and for connection and creativity. So, so when we're not needing those feelings to be protecting ourselves for the purpose of protection, like somebody's you know yelling at us so that we get angry or we get sad or we get something like that, that those are then it's their you know, again, for protective purposes, when though when we have no need for the protection, then I think that our feelings are available for connecting uh, with others deeply and also for creativity. Okay, so you can control that you're thinking that this party's not going to be good, that I'm not going to meet anybody, that right. I'm going to have a horrible time. Correct. Then you get to the party, and right. all of those things happen because you've you've set it up so you can't see that um, that I'm in the room and I really want to get to know you. And I come up to you, you're going to shut it all down. So you're going to leave there with feelings of, see, I was right. Everything I said was going to happen did happen. Well, there. that's not a feeling; those are thoughts. Okay, so those are thoughts. So, so those might, are more thoughts that are thoughts. going through the head. So, go right. So I might leave feeling disappointed. Okay. Uh, and but the but you had a you had a bigger question there about the controlling of feelings and right. uh, that I also want to get us back to the so that so yes I, if I might leave if I had that kind of attitude going into it then what I'm training my brain to do is to look for those experiences the brain the brain is going to answer and this is great based on your show the brain is going to look for the answer to whatever question it's asked. The answer that it wants. No, well, no. It's what you've asked. Well, you've asked the brain to search for something. So when you when you raise a when you have a certain thought where you're asking a certain question of the brain, then it's it's a willing servant. It's going to go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. How how can I look for that answer? So it's going to it's going to train its focus or its attention, if you will, on on those things that you've asked it or those things you've suggested to it. So if you're suggesting that you're going to go to this party and it's, you're going to have a, a crummy time, then the brain is going to look for all the examples of the crummy time to fit into what you've posed for it. If, you, if instead you go and you say, you know what, I don't know what kind of time I'm going to have, then it, it can be open to whatever experience you have. If you go and you're going to say, I'm, going to look, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this, I'm looking for all the good things that are going to happen, then it's going to focus. It's going to dial it into that. So we can we can have an impact on on our experiences by changing what what we think about. It's, it's such an interesting perspective that you just gave because one of the things that I speak about all the time and work with my clients on all the time is: Are you asking questions to get the answers you want or the answers you need? And that's exactly what you were just talking about. Was are you training your brain to search out X or Y, and which will, which is the a stronger way of thinking about it? You know, which is a more positive way, which will move you forward. That's what it sounds like you're talking about. Uh, yes, and my bias is that one 
the thing that I would recommend is that one always thinks in the direction that they want to go, where they want the outcome. So in essence, you want to think positive and optimistically because that's the, those are the outcomes you want. So to train your brain to think in the direction that you want things to happen. Okay, so how does somebody begin to train their brain to think that way? I'm assuming awareness is one of the first ways to think about what you're actually thinking. Absolutely, yes. You you have to start to notice what you're thinking about. You have to start to notice your patterns. And once you do that, you then make a decision to, uh, I, I like to say, to match your thought. So if you're a person who tends to think in a more pessimistic a pessimistic, cynical, or sarcastic manner, then what you do is you you train your brain to match every cynical and and pessimistic thought with e- either a neutral one, which is on the order of which yeah, I don't know what will happen, or a positive one, which is uh, I'm going to be uh, delighted at what happens. So I so that then you you start to practice just matching so it basically kind of nullifies and neutralizes the negative the the pessimistic or uh, pessimistic or cynical thought okay so you you don't want to match your thoughts if you're having positive thoughts with the opposite of it you want to match your thoughts if you're having a lot of the negative thinking yes you want to practice more of the positive thinking just because that's what you want embedded I like that. That's a that's a great way to go into the news break because the news break tends to be a lot of negative thinking. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Okay. So for those of you who are listening live on the radio and you're listening to the news broadcast, think about how you can turn that thought around in your mind as to what you're thinking about that. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, think about the last negative thought you had and how can you make it a positive one. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Joan Rosenberg. Red Palmer recently said to me when I was telling him all about you, Joan, he said, emotions are like children. We shouldn't let them drive the car, but we also shouldn't stuff them in the trunk. I totally agree. That's great. What a great line. It's such a great analogy. The the awesome Red Palmer, mayor of the airwaves here at iHeartRadio and Waxy AMFM. So we were talking before the break about controlling thoughts and matching your thoughts when you're having pessimistic thoughts. Can we, what I'd like to do is now talk about that other part of it that we talked about. You talked about this um, flood of emotions when I shared my story about that time we were out in California. And I'm like, my reaction is not in proportion to what I'm hearing on the other end of the phone. And you helped me connect to that. And you said that um, we can control how and what we think, not how you feel. You can only manage that. How does somebody manage their feelings? Uh, they stay present to to the, what I can call the waves of feeling coming through their body. So, so, so let me walk that uh, using a little bit of brain science for a moment and hope I don't do that in a very complicated way. Let's see if I can simplify it. When everything that happens, really, uh, from a thought to a feeling to a physical movement, is uh, is the neural firing pattern in the brain. So that there's there's uh, the brain just the brain is just firing off all the time, and and each each thing that we do, each thing that we think, each thing that we feel 
is becomes in essence a, a pattern. And when we experience a feeling that there that neural firing pattern uh, results in kind of a bodily sensation. So the, the Jill Bolt Taylor talks about it as kind of a, a it, it, roughly a ninety second wave in the body. And the, so the intensity of a feeling happening in our body, uh, again, happens. We, <laughs> sorry about this. We know what we feel emotionally by a bodily sensation first. Okay, so bodily sensation like tears or feeling kicked in the gut or... or uh, uh, butterflies in the stomach or heaviness in the chest I have uh, or euphoria uh, when you're so happy uh, yeah uh, yeah I've uh, a client one client when she gets angry she feels heat at the back of her neck another when she gets angry she feels heat in her arms um, you know lots of people will describe sadness at the chest area or at the gut area or some other people will decide to experience that it tearfulness in the eyes, burning in the eyes. Uh, there's all sorts of ways people will describe uh, what they what they're experiencing in the body that helps them, in essence, know what they're feeling emotionally. So when we get flooded with fe- feeling, it's like we're having all these bodily sensations intensely rushing at one time. Okay. And the key is simply really to stay present, not do anything. There's literally, you don't have to do anything, no actions to take, except to sit and to notice what you are experiencing within. But that's not that easy to do when you're in the middle of it. How do you get that control that which you say you can't control it but somehow you have to stop yourself well again the 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 bodily sensations are going to come we're not in charge of those bodily sensations we are in charge once we become aware of the of the bodily sensation we're in charge then so if there's any measure of control that's the point of control but i like to think of it as handling or managing as opposed to controlling then we're in charge of what we do afterwards. So i uh, give you an example. Uh, many years ago, I was, in, uh, uh, I was hit from behind while driving, and I was basically stopped, but somebody then bumped into me. And I was like, ah, uh, you know, so internally, sitting in the car, I have this reaction, and it's like kind of one of those, oh, expletive reactions. <laughs> and, and... And it was like, so I was, and then I got angry, and it was like, I don't want to deal with this. And so, so was I in charge of the feeling that came up? No. But as soon as I was aware of what I was feeling, so I, then I became aware that I was, I was angry and frustrated. And it was kind of like, you know, doggone it, but bolder than that, and more colorful. And, and then where my head went was like, all right, wait a minute. How do I want to handle what I'm experiencing? 
And oh, I oh I lo- wait a minute. I love that question. How do this is a tweetable moment. How do I want to handle what I'm experiencing? Right. That's awesome question. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and and then I realized I I like to think that sometimes our values can help us manage our feelings. And I one of my highest values is kindness. So it was like, all right, as I'm thinking now, as I'm getting out of the car, how do I want to show up? So when I have to engage in just a few seconds around the car to engage with the person who hit me, how am I going to show up as a human being? So my way of managing my anger and frustration was, in this case, through my value of kindness. And I approached her differently than I would have initially had I not had those few seconds to reflect on my re- my feeling reaction and and then choose how I got out of the car and choose how I dealt with her in the situation. So it was not to be a jerk, it was not to be mean, but to handle it in a clear, firm, but kind way. So emotional mastery is about responding versus reacting. Not, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's about responding, not reacting. So lots of times what people will want to do, or, you know, I think we default two directions. We default either to withdrawal and shutting down when when we feel feelings too intensely, or distracting through other means, and that could be shopping, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be pornography. I mean, we can go on and on and on in terms of all the ways people distract. People can have feelings about feelings, and that's a distraction. Chaos is a distraction. I, there's like 30-plus different ways to, to distract. And so you can w- distract, you can withdraw, or you can, uh, or you can become reactive and more explosive. So the, the two, when you get flooded when, uh, by feeling, it, the, the goal is to have that flooding not disrupt your ability to kind of stay present and to function and to do things in life. But lots of times when people get flooded by feeling, instead they either withdraw, go the withdrawal direction and shut down or they become reactive and explosive. Okay, so going back to my sharing of the story of that time in California when I connected to my brother's passing away, mm-hmm. I withdrew. So the flood of emotions I was feeling about losing my brother when I was 10 caused me literally to withdraw because those feelings were too intense for me. So I, I, I suppressed them and, and just literally withdrew into myself because I remember saying, I'm just going to go numb right now. It's easier to go numb. Okay, there you go. So conscious thought, yep. But it took me a while to to remember that I had made that vow to myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then over years, that started to surface again because it, it needed to come out. And yes, little little things were beginning to trigger it and setting it off, but I wasn't aware of it. And through wonderful yep. therapists that I work with, it was almost, would you say it's almost like a, I had a PTSD. I had such a traumatic experience that I suppressed it so deeply that I was having explosive reactions to little things at that point. 
Yeah, again, that's that's what I was saying when we started the call is that that when some a reaction seems out of proportion to what's going on, it's almost a, it, it's like radar to something in the past not being dealt with. Now, can that also happen to a lot of positive kind of emotions or is it always associated with um, negative emotions? It's mostly, I, again, not negative, unpleasant. Unpleasant, okay. Uh, yeah. Retraining my uh, the, brain. That's right. That's my goal. The uh, uh, Yours and everybody else's. The I really see it as uh, mostly unpleasant because it's the the pleasant ones we tend to allow ourselves to experience in the moment. So those don't those don't get suppressed; they get experienced more often than not. Can they be overexperienced uh, though? Not. How do you mean overexperienced? I don't think so. All right. Well, we're going to talk yeah. about that when we actually come back from the the next commercial break because. I'm so involved in our conversation, I wasn't paying attention to my timing. So I'll be right back with more from Dr. Joan Rosenberg. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. I want to give a shout-out to at the Patricia Knoll out on Twitter, who's been tweeting out, sharing a number of things you've been saying today, Joan. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you so very much. Yeah, you would love her. She um, has been a guest on my show, and she talks about some similar kind of topics. Um, you guys should just would love each other. Anyway, um, <laughs> emotional waves and flooding. We've talked about that, touched on it, but we've never, we've not really gone into it. So how does somebody handle that? So again, think of think of a feeling as kind of a wave and a bodily sensation first in the body. Then as you become aware of that sensation, and it happens in nanoseconds, then you kind of name what that sensation is and you've identified it as a feeling. Uh, and just just even naming it helps you manage the experience. If it feels like it's intense, then again, the key is just stay present to kind of just, just as uh, it's just like you're walking along the ocean shore, and waves can come up with varying intensity. And if you watch the shoreline, they though the wave seems like it hangs for a moment and then subsides. The same is true uh, in with these bodily sensations that we identify, identify as feelings. Just understand that that feelings are going to come up, and notice even in our language, we never talk about feelings coming down. We talk about feelings coming up, so it's the body, the bodily sensation informing kind of the brain, if you will. Uh, so the feelings are going to come up, they're going to linger for moments, and and then they're going to subside. So the notion here is just to ride the wave. And with grief, which is what you started with about your brother, um, I like to think of grief as waves of waves. And, and any given wave of feeling is roughly 90 seconds in length. I don't, in fact, I don't even think it lasts that long, but um, let's use that 90-second window. And, and so that what you want to do is simply to be able to, uh, again, just you don't physically do anything. You just stay present to what you're experiencing in your body, notice it, stay aware of it, and, and just, and then, Try to again identify what you may be feeling emotionally. Put a put a emotional feeling word to it, um, and 
and just stay present to it and just ride the wave, the wave or waves of waves. So it's one or more 90-second waves of a variety of unpleasant feelings. And if you can do that, you can begin to achieve emotional mastery and way more than that. Is that where you got the title of your upcoming book, 90 Seconds to a Life You Love? Yes, that's exactly where I got it. I was wondering, I was going to ask you about that later, but you just gave it to me when you talked about the waves and the waves and the 90 seconds. So what yes. is that all about? I mean, are you saying that in 90 seconds we can start moving towards a life we love? Yes, I sure am. My, it's, it's really pretty amazing. In all the years that I've spent working with people, what I realize is that if you can manage actually a small number of unpleasant feelings then then and stay present to them, not try to avoid them, not shut them down, not become explosive and reactive to them, but you actually manage experiencing them and understand their purpose when you're experiencing them, then you can solve anxiety, ease anxiety. You can uh, learn how to speak with ease as opposed to finding it difficult to speak up. You can stop harsh self-criticism. You will allow yourself to be more vulnerable and have a different experience of trust. You'll have emotional strength. You can ask for help. It kind of, the list goes on and on and on. It helps, it, it helps the essence for me around having self-confidence and self-esteem. The list is really quite extensive in terms of just your ability to handle these unpleasant feelings, um, what it results in in terms of resolving what I think of as a lot of psychological challenges and concerns. Stops, it helps you stop worrying about what other people think of you. Like I said, the list is pretty endless. So the way to begin that is to, number one, begin to control how and what you're thinking and then yeah. stopping and thinking about your the feelings that you're going on and say, how do I want to handle what I'm experiencing? How do I want to uh, yeah, show up? Can, uh, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a, I, yes, there's a variety of ways to do that. It's, it's understanding, again, understanding that feelings are not bad and they're not negative. They're there for either your protection, connection, or creativity. So they're very, very useful. You, so you want to stay aware of, you can say aware of your awareness. You can, you can what a colleague calls noticing what you're noticing. Uh, the, and, and that's the whole idea behind just staying present to your feeling. I like another way I talk about it is knowing what you know, as opposed to trying not to know what you know. Trying not to know what you know, this is going to launch into a whole different discussion. But trying not to know what you know, I believe, leads people to what I call soulful depression. Not a real depression, but soulful depression. And knowing what you know leads, leads or st noticing what you're noticing, being aware of what you're aware of, all of that leads you towards the path of aliveness and self-confidence and self-esteem. So, yes, you want to you wanna just be in touch with, aware and in touch with as much of your moment-to-moment -moment experience as possible. That last section that you just talked about is a whole other show in and of itself, and I have all yes. these thoughts and ideas on how we can talk about that and, and share that with my audience as well. Yes, yes, yes. 
So um, I was aware I was opening I was opening a door on that one, but I I I can't resist because it's so important to me. I, I love it. I think it's a great another topic. So we're just going to have to have you back on the show. So Joan, a number of people have been asking me how they find out more about you, how they reach out to you, where they can get your your books or any other things that you're doing. The Easier Anxiety book is on Amazon in both Kindle and uh, and soft cover format. Uh, it's a, an easy, quick read, but there I, there's lots of great material in there. I, it's, it's super helpful to people. So I, I power I kind of power packed that book, and the I my my podcast is the Mindstream podcast. Mindstream is all one word, uh, found on iTunes. Uh, putting lots of material up there in terms of, uh, again, uh, difficulties, if you have difficulty speaking up, how to stop worrying about what other people think of you, uh, handling feelings, the list kind of goes on and on, and I'll be putting a lot more out about that. Uh, So that's on iTunes. People can reach me uh, at Dr. Joan Rosenberg on Facebook, Dr. Joan Rosenberg on Twitter, uh, probably Dr. Joan Rosenberg most places, which would also include my website, so it's drjoanrosenberg.com. And we're at Rosenberg with an E. And doctor with uh, and a DR. It's DR, yes. And and then if they want to reach out directly to me via email, it would be they could do uh, Dr. J Keynotes at gmail.com. Okay, Dr. J Keynotes at gmail.com and Dr. J yeah, Rosenberg. Again. So, in yes. um, last thought you'd like to share with my listeners. Last oh boy, that's a harder question. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the probably the last thought I'm going to end with is is uh, really stay present to knowing what you know, as opposed to trying not to know what you know, because one leads to vitality, aliveness, self confidence, and self esteem, and the other does not. Okay, say that one more time. Stay present to knowing what you know as opposed to trying not to know what you know, because knowing what you know will lead you down the path of self-confidence, self-esteem, emotional strength, and a sense of aliveness and vitality. I love that. You've shared so many great tips and strategies for my listeners, and I'm, I'm very grateful we were able to get this together, Joan. Uh, me too, and uh, I'm excited and uh, very grateful for being present here with you. Love talking to you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, and we never t- we don't talk enough as far as I'm concerned. I, I agree. And you're well, gonna, that will change. You're going to be speaking at the Big Sky Retreat as well coming I'm speaking up? At, I'm speaking at the Big Sky Retreat in September in Montana, and even more importantly, I'm doing a TEDx talk in Santa Barbara TEDx in August. And that's going to be on emotional mastery? Yes, yes. Okay, so when will that be available, do you think? It'll be live-streamed, so people can hear it live-streamed. And boy, if people want to support me, then uh, I'd love it if people wanted to help make it go viral, so uh, whenever whenever the rest of it comes out. All right, cool. So send me the link to that, and I'll make sure that's up on the podcast and uh, up on my website for you as well. Will do. We have Thank to support you. you in all this amazing work that you're doing. <laughs> thank so, you so much. Oh, thank, thank you, Joan. It, 
So today we were talking about emotional mastery, and, you know, I'm a big Star Critic fan, and it's not about being Mr. Spock. As Joan told us, it's about learning how to respond versus reacting to what's going on in your life, in your mind, in your body, in your feelings. Remember, the right questions can change your life, everyone. So what are you asking yourself today? If you need some help figuring out the right questions to ask, like my client that I've just been working with who just landed a 52% increase in salary with a new job, that's her dream job, reach out to me at laura at laurastewart.com. Have a great day, everyone. And what are you asking today? You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 